So with that, we'll transition to scripture reading. All right, let's read. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into their room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Would you join with me in prayer? Uh, Father, it's just appropriate um, as we wrap up the prayer series to come before you in prayer. To be, to be reminded, God, that we, man, we're, we're so small. And we're so finite and you are infinite. And we are standing, sitting before your glorious throne, God. So would you remind us, would you show us that perspective right now, God? You're the God of glory. And you invite us into relationship with you, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So over the past several weeks, Pastor Hungman has taken us through a four-part series entitled Pray Like Jesus. Now in the previous three weeks, Pastor Hungman walked us through what is sometimes called the high priestly prayer of Jesus that is found in John chapter 17. And in that prayer, we get a really a unique and a rare look into the actual words of Jesus' prayer to the Father for us. Did you know that Jesus prays for us? Did you know that Jesus prays for you? He prays that his glory would be known in all of the world and in your life. He prays for our oneness with him. And again, I love how Pastor Sang, I mean, he took what is kind of, this prayer is actually theologically dense. And Pastor Sang, I mean, he took what was a theologically dense prayer and he really broke it down into very intensely practical ways. And so Pastor Sang, I mean, thank you for doing that for us. So that was the past three weeks. And then the first uh, the first sermon in this series, the introductory message of this series was from Luke chapter 11, when one of the disciples made a request to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, as Pastor Sangmin noted then, that was one of the rare times when the disciples asked the right question. And then Jesus responds and he gives what we call the Lord's Prayer, Right? And then he follows that up with a parable that at first glance, when we read this parable, it might look like Jesus is saying, pray so persistently, so persistently that you annoy God to give you what you are asking. That's what it kind of looks like at first glance. But then what we see actually that this parable Jesus was talking about, how God is faithful and God is merciful even to respond to our prayers 
for the glory of his own name. If you didn't listen, go back and listen. It is a really powerful paradigm shift in the confidence that we can have in approaching God in prayer. And so today, we wrap up this series on Pray Like Jesus, and we conclude where we began, essentially, at Jesus' giving of the Lord's Prayer. But this time, we get a different angle. Because in Matthew's account, in chapter 6, Jesus teaches us that even when asking the right question, even when doing, quote-unquote, the right thing, these things can be done with the wrong heart, with the wrong motives, and thereby become meaningless. So let's get into uh, the passage. Jesus says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Let me rewind, sorry. Let me rewind a moment. Now, this section is in the center of what is called Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And this is found in, in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And this passage is actually like, like almost in the very center of that. And in this section, Jesus, uh, he, he, he's teaching about how, like Jesus is correcting uh, what is very, like popular opinions of religious life, of religious devotion. Jesus is correcting these things. In, in, the, previous, uh, in the previous chapter, in, in chapter five, at the end of chapter five, Jesus is saying stuff like, hey, you have heard it said, this and that, but I tell you, da, 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 right? You have heard it said that you should do this, you should do that, that this is what religious devotion is, that this is what is pleasing to the Lord. You've heard it said, but I tell you. And Jesus is correcting these things. Now that's at the end of chapter 5, and so chapter 6, Jesus continues. And he teaches about how three of what were thought to be the most central, the most important religious activities by the religious leaders of Jesus' day. And that's giving to the needy. That is prayer and fasting. These three things that, that the, the religious leaders of Jesus' day thought were the most central aspects or the most central activities of religious devotion. Now, Jesus focuses on these three things, and he talks about how you can do these three things, and you could do them all wrong. Now, all three, in all three, Jesus follows basically the same pattern of a wrong motive, and so we're just going to focus on the one read today about prayer. Okay? So right back. Jesus says in verse 6, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Now the first thing Jesus says, when you pray. Now he assumes that his listeners pray, and that is probably very likely. Probably all of the Jewish listeners of Jesus' day prayed. That's kind of an assumption. I don't know if that's an assumption that he could make of us today. Do you pray? Do I pray? You know, I confess most days if I do pray, the first thought I have is, man, I, I haven't done this in so long. Man, I need to pray. Man, I need to pray. There's so much to pray about. 
Because my tendency is to not pray. My tendency is to just do stuff. My tendency is to just like see what my options are and just choose and do something, right? My tendency is to just like sit back and watch, I don't know, a show or YouTube or listening to podcasts or just fill up my time. There's responsibilities for sure. There's work and I got kids and and a marriage and there's responsibilities and fill up my time and the rest of the time I'm just kind of doing other stuff. Most of the time, that's my tendency. I don't know about you. But Jesus says, when you pray, And for some of us, that's like, that's, that's it. We just need to hear that. But Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. You guys know what a hypocrite is? Hypocrite originally referred to Greek actors who wore different masks. Do you wear masks? I know I wear, I wear masks all the time. And going back to my responsibilities, like I wear a mask depending on what I think I need to be doing all the time. Got my dad mask, my husband mask, my pastor mask. My Do not be like the hypocrites. Do not be like the people wearing masks, Jesus says. But in particular, Jesus is criticizing the religious leaders. Most notably, the Pharisees, and he's criticizing them for a very particular form of hypocrisy. Doing the right things for the wrong motives. Doing the right things for the wrong motives. See, they loved to pray standing in front of the people to be seen to be respected, to be honored. Now, this is, it's, it's different. I think it's different in our culture, right? So, you know, in Jesus' day, the Israelites, the Jewish people, they were a religious people. They were a theocracy. So, like, everyone was kind of, like, basic, basically religious. And if you're kind of in that kind of a culture, of a, a religious culture, then, of course, the religious leaders are the people with power, Right? And so in Jesus' day, among these people, the religious leaders, they loved standing in front of the people, performing these religious things, wearing their religious masks, and they loved to get the applause, the respect, the fear from the people. And so their practice of their religion was done not for God's glory or even for the people's benefit, but for themselves, right? Now, like, in that culture, like, there were set times in the day that they were to pray. And so, like, you know, so look, most people, most people are doing that. They're praying, but, but these leaders, they would find, in, 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 uh, what does it say? Uh, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. And actually, street corners means like the wide streets, the busy intersections. They love to stand in these busy intersections where all these people are, and be seen by all of the people. So Jesus, he's not 
condemning the location, right? He's not con- condemning public prayer because we know this because Jesus prayed publicly, right? But we know that Jesus is talking about the internal motivation. He's talking about the people's hearts. Now, nobody likes being called a hypocrite, right? I think, like, whether you're religious or not, like, nobody likes to be called a hypocrite. But Jesus says, do not be like the hypocrites who performed their religious acts for themselves. And then Jesus continues in verse 7, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. And this can mean a couple different things. And when Gentiles, it, just, it really just means non-Jewish people. And, and, and what it's talking about back in those days, the other religion was just, was just paganism, right? And so what was a common practice in paganism would, was they would just like repeat. They would repeat certain phrases. It's almost like, like incantations or like, like, like magic spells. Like you say the right thing in the right order, the right number of times in order to invoke the God's favor to do what it is that you want him to do, right? And Jesus is saying, hey, don't, don't pray like that. Don't pray like that. This isn't, this isn't hocus pocus. This isn't, this isn't magic. Don't do that. Now, what he's not saying is, and if you've been in that place, you've been in that place of anguish where, where just, there's just one thing that you're just like, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Like, he's not talking about an honest prayer that is erupting from your heart. And, and at times, I think we, we have that. So he's not talking about that. He's talking about this calculated giving a, a, a magic spell to try to persuade the gods to do stuff. Jesus is saying, don't pray like that. Now, on the other hand, on the other hand, he's saying, hey, don't, don't, like, don't just babble on and on and on and on. This isn't a speech contest. <laughs> this isn't a debate where you have to win the best argument for God to listen to you and to do what you're asking. Don't do that. Don't babble on. God knows, right? In verse, in verse 8, Jesus says, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. You don't have to babble on and on. You don't need to explain to God your situation to convince him about what you need and why you need it. He knows what you need. Do not be like the Gentiles and heap up empty phrases. Okay, so these are two things when Jesus is teaching. He does this often. He, he, in order to teach the positive thing, he's showing us the negative, right? So Jesus said, hey, don't be like this. Don't be like that. And what Jesus is saying is, listen, there's a reward. Jesus affirms that the practice of faithful and authentic prayer will be rewarded. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a part of me in my Christian life that thinks like I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't try to be rewarded. I should just, you know, do things for the sake of like doing the right thing or, you know. 
God is worthy and so I, I have to do this. Now that's, that's true, but Jesus is showing us, man, look guys, look, there is a reward. There is a reward. Now for the hypocrites, the people desiring attention from the people, and they most likely did receive lots of attention, and many of them were probably respected, maybe even feared. Jesus is saying, that's their reward. If that's what you're after when you do your stuff, when you do your prayer, when you do your fasting, when you give to the needy, if you're after people's attention and recognition, then that's your reward, and that's it. A tickling of their appetite for attention and power. That's it. That's their reward. And Jesus is saying, man, there's a better reward. There is a better reward. What is the better reward? Is it a golden mansion? Like, I don't know. <laughs> you read Revelation, streets paved with gold, gates with, with giant pearl gates and stuff. Like, okay, maybe. I don't, probably not. But here, what does Jesus say here? And at least in part, or maybe this is actually the whole of it, maybe this is actually the greatest of rewards. Jesus says that the one praying in secret, in authenticity, in an acceptable, acceptable way before the God of the universe, the God of power, the one praying like this will be seen by the Father in heaven. They will be seen and rewarded. Now, we've got three kids. My oldest is five and a half, and she loves, like, she loves our attention, man. And when she's doing something, I don't know, she's doing something, and she wants our attention. She was like, she's doing something, and she's like, usually it's to umma. <laughs> umma, 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 look at me, umma, 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 look at me. And then Mina looks at her, and she starts to do it, and then she looks up, and if Mina turns her head, umma, 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 keep looking at me. And usually it's like when Mina's changing the baby's diaper or something. And she can't look. But this is my daughter's, this is her heart, man. She wants to be seen. She wants to be seen. Jesus says, for the one praying in secrecy, that God will see them. Hebrews, 4, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God sees everything. He sees everyone. Psalm 139 says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? There's no depth too deep. There's no, there's no height too high. Like anywhere that I go, God, you are there. God, you are present. God, you see me. But the reward for the one that is praying in authenticity, I think is the joy of being seen. It is the joy of being seen. Why do I say that, the joy of being seen? Because you guys know, right? Right? 
when you're doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing, you don't like being seen, right? When you know you're doing something you know you shouldn't, you, know, you, don't, want, you don't want people looking at you. And I want to talk about my kids again, okay? I, got, I just talked about my oldest, Elise, and I got a second. He's two and a half. Man, it's so funny. Like, there's times where suddenly, like, we, we become aware that we don't hear him. He's awake, but we don't hear him. That means he's doing something he shouldn't be doing. And we go, and we find him. And I, I don't think Mina or I have the heart, like, trying to catch him, like, catch him in the act. But we're just, like, curious, like, what's going on? What are, you, what are you doing? Make sure he's safe, right? And when he becomes aware that we're watching, like, he jumps, like, five feet in the air, man. And it's stuff, like, it's not even stuff that he, we've specifically told him that he can or cannot do, like, somehow he knows when he's doing stuff he shouldn't be doing, right? He jumps five feet in the air when he's caught. (laughs) Man, wouldn't it be cool if the wrongs that we did were as harmless and innocent as a two-year-old's? I know that the wrongs that I do are much more perverse, much more damaging. I don't like being seen when I'm doing stuff that I shouldn't be doing. But man, isn't that a blessing? God sees us. Now, one more time, talk about my kids. My kids, they get into things that they shouldn't do when they know we're not paying attention to them. When they're bored, when they don't know what else to do. When they think they're alone with their little, you know, two-year-old mind of curiosity then they just start, they, like Raphael, he just gets into stuff. But what if we knew that we were never alone? What if we knew that we were always seen? If God's sight is always upon us. Now, there's nothing wrong with curiosity. I really believe this. There's nothing wrong with curiosity. And when Mina and I are being good parents, we give our kids healthy and safe and non-destructive ways to explore that curiosity, right? And God's a way better dad than us. Man, it's a blessing to know that God's sight is always upon us. And I think it would be helpful, wouldn't it, guys? If you remembered this every day, the moment that you wake up, okay, God, you see me. If you're someone who loves Jesus, if you're someone that's like, Jesus, you're my king, you're my Lord, you have given everything for me to live this life for you, then you know that that same day, you fail, you fail, you fail, right? Like, we know that. Jesus knows that. But man, would it make a difference in your life if you just if you knew this? God's watching. God's watching. If you're someone who keeps making the same mistake, keeps falling into the same patterns of sin, keep making like the same decisions that just make you fall into this, you know? And then you and then you repent and then you feel bad, then you beat yourself up and then you do it again. Like man, if that's you, Okay, listen, first, keep repenting. Keep repenting, but man, at any point in that cycle, at any point in that cycle, you can stop and run to the Father. 
at any point in the decisions, the thoughts and things that we're doing, like at any point, run to the Father. And, and, and repent. And pray, God, help me in my weakness. God, forgive me. And be reminded God's sight is upon you. He is present with you. He is ready to forgive. And there's nowhere that you can go where he doesn't see. There's nowhere that you can go that you can flee from him. He is always present with you. Now, yes, there's repentance, but could that empower us to make decisions that we know that we want to make that honor the Lord? Now, I guess if that's not you, if you are content to compromise, if you are happy to do, you know, whatever your appetite is calling you to do at the moment, then this is much more like a warning. God is present, and he sees you. Now, he's not standing in warrior pose with a lightning bolt ready to smite you. God is patient, he is kind, he is compassionate. But man, he's present and he's watching. I need this reminder every day. I'm thankful for this reminder today. And so God, strengthen us to pursue holiness, right? Strengthen us to pursue holiness, to pursue the Holy One in all that we think and all that we love and all that we do. Jesus says there is a reward. There is a reward. I can't say with specific confidence that this and that and that is the reward. Because what we know is Jesus said, hey, if you're going to follow me, then you've got to take up your cross. If you're going to follow me, then there will be trial and tribulation and suffering and persecution. Jesus said that. That's, that's part of the deal. And yet Jesus says, you will be rewarded. And if you read through the Psalms, read through the Proverbs, like there's patterns, like righteousness is rewarded. That's, that's, that's the way that the world is supposed to operate. Governments are supposed to reward righteousness. That's a good thing. And God is so much better. He loves to reward righteousness, right? But I think Jesus is, in fact, talking much more about eternal things. Eternal rewards. The worship team led us in this song called Christ is Mine Forevermore. It might be a new song for many of us. It was a new song for me. And usually what I do before I, if I can, especially if it's a song someone is recommending, I'll read the lyrics first. And I read this song. I read the lyrics of this song and I was like, man, so much beauty in this song. And so, Arnold, if you can, you can flash the lyrics here, but I, I want to read it. I want us to read it, and worship team, you guys can lead us in this song afterwards. But I want to read this. It says, Mine are days that God has numbered. I was made to walk with him. 
And here's a confession, yet I look for worldly treasure and forsake the king of kings. But mine is hope in my redeemer. Though I fall, his love is secure. Excuse me, his love is sure. For Christ has paid for every failing. I am his forevermore. And like if we can jump, let's, let's, just, let's jump to chorus four because we, we don't have to read the whole thing. And mine are keys to Zion City where beside the king I walk for there my heart has found its treasure. Christ is mine forevermore. Do you treasure Christ? Now, I, got, I don't know if you guys know this, like it's hard to make your heart treasure something. It's, it's hard to do that. You can't force yourself to treasure something. But I know for sure that where you spend your time and what you're looking at is going to affect your heart and what it treasures. And if we're committed to this life of repentance and being in God's sight, Man, I know it. More and more, our heart is going to find its treasure in Christ. And then when we sing this, Christ is mine forevermore, what joy would arise from our hearts. God says that he sees what is done in the secret. Right? We're comparing the hypocrites who love to stand on the busy intersections and perform their righteousness in front of people for accolades, for respect, and all of this. But God says, but God who sees in secret will reward you. You know, we get a glimpse into at least one secret place where we see what is at the bottom of Jesus' heart and mind. In that secret place of the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is in anguish. His heart is wrenching. And what does he do? Jesus, he he goes to the Father. He doesn't run away. He doesn't hide. He doesn't pretend to be strong. He runs to the Father. He falls before the Father. And he prays, and he prays, and he prays. And at the end of that, Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. And the very next moment, Jesus is arrested in secret, in the night. He is tried in secret, and then he is wrongfully executed. He's stripped naked. The very flesh on his body is torn from his bones, And then he is raised up as a public spectacle, executed as the worst of criminals. And in that place, I believe in that secret place, in the darkest of nights, in his sacrifice, Jesus, who had no sin, became sin. 
Jesus, who had no sin, became sin to pay for the punishment that my sin deserves, to pay for the punishment that your sin deserves. And in his death, there is a merciful transaction where he trades our shame for his righteousness. Because of the cross, his righteousness is ours. And then the Father who sees in secret rewards Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Now, it doesn't say, that, it doesn't say it like this exactly, but if you guys can see this with me, Jesus' reward is this great joy. Man, you guys see this? Too often when I'm in my secret place, I'm consumed with idle activity to appease my selfish appetites. This is what I do in my secret place. But Jesus, in this secret place, took our sin and clothes us in righteousness. And Jesus' reward becomes ours. Thank you, Jesus. I might have taken us on a little bit of a ride here, but I'm going to wrap us up with just a very simple application, but to, to pray. If we can, as we're sitting here today, if we can make a commitment like, Lord, I, I want to pray. Help me to pray. Help me to find pockets of time throughout the day where I can go literally into a closet or, you know, somewhere because in that secret place, God meets us and God rewards us. He sees us and he rewards us with the joy of being seen. And if we can get a little bit more practical you know, Jesus continues in this and he prays and he teaches the Lord's Prayer. Can we commit, like in this next week, every day, commit, pray the Lord's Prayer? Like commit to praying it like just once a day this week. And then let yourself expand on it. You know, be curious, like I said, be curious and say, God, why am I, why am I praying this? Why am I, why am I praying give us this day, you know, give it our daily bread? Like, why am I praying this? Why am I, oh, because God, you're the sovereign one. Because you're the giver of all good gifts. Because you're the one in control. Yeah, you're, the, you're the one who blessed me with today. Okay, God, thank you for today, right? Expand on the prayer. Commit to putting in time this week and know that God is present. He sees in the secret. And I want that, may that encourage us. Like, yes, it's a warning at times, but man, but this is a promise. This is a joy. God sees us in the secret. He knows you. He knows every thought, every, every feeling, every inclination, every, every fear, every joy, every, every desire. God knows you. And he loves you. God sees in secret. Let that encourage you. Let that empower you. Let that hold you. And may we seek 
the reward of living fully in his presence. May we seek the reward of fellowship and oneness with the Holy One, Jesus Christ. Let's go to God in prayer. And can we confess or acknowledge, God, you see me. God, you see everything in me in all of the secret places. There is no area in my heart or in the things that I've done, things that I've thought, things that I want. There's no area that is like locked away and hidden. God, you see it all. Can we lay ourselves open? that you see us I thank you God that there is no place in our in our lives or in our hearts that is hidden from you may we lay down God in every area that we try to pretend that we try to fake it that we try to put on masks God would you would you cause us to to lay these things down because you see us. And then, oh Jesus, would you come in your great mercy and would you remind us, God, when we repent, when we come before you, oh God, that you are merciful and good, that you are kind, Lord, that you cover us, you forgive us, Jesus, because of what you have done. And Jesus, you clothe us in righteousness. into relationship, into oneness with you. Oh God, may your people today may we be pulled into your oneness, oh God. And would you stir hearts to love being in your sight. To expose every secret place before you, God. Say, take it all, Jesus.